Hi, listeners. Welcome to episode 18 of Define Normal. This week, I'm joined by Aubrey Johansson. Aubrey is a personal chef and also an influencer. You can find her on Instagram at That's What She Eats. Aubrey and I get into her sobriety journey on this episode. I share a little bit, but quarantine has definitely changed my relationship with alcohol. I find myself drinking a lot less now that I'm being a lot less social. And so I've been a little bit sober curious. And Aubrey, who I've been following for years, has been embarking on a sober journey. And she talks about it subtly on her Instagram, but I wanted to hear more about what it's like to be a young adult who doesn't drink anymore. Um, when so many activities in our lives, our social lives are centered around drinking and it's normalized, you know, to drink after a hard day or drink when you're celebrating. And I wanted to hear how Aubrey was living the sober journey and what were the perks of it and what were the hardships. And I just wanted to have an honest conversation. So Aubrey joined me and shared and it was so awesome talking to her. So listen to the interview to hear more about her sobriety journey and how she maintained sobriety as a young adult. Hi, Aubrey. Welcome to today's episode of Define Normal. I'm so happy to have you. Hi, Shelby. Thanks for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. Today, we're going to talk about how your journey to sobriety and how you decided to be sober. As I shared with you before the episode, I've been kind of sober curious in quarantine. I have lived with my parents most of the time. I'm actually in Ohio now. And I haven't really been drinking. Like part of it is a result of living with my parents and like uh, getting drunk with your parents isn't really a thing in my family. (laughs) And also just like not feeling the need because I just sit at home in sweatpants and Zoom all day. So it's kind of changed my relationship with alcohol and it's made me think about how I want to approach it now that the world's opened and we're getting vaccinated. Um, And I love following you on Instagram and just kind of hearing like more about your journey. I think what's interesting is you talk about it so subtly, like you share like the drink you're, the drinks you're drinking and how you don't cook with alcohol and just all of these kind of like subtle things of how you're living your lifestyle, which I think is really helpful. Cause honestly, sometimes it's very like sobriety can be like, I'm sober and like, it's like kind of preachy. And I feel like you're like, no, it's just, this is my lifestyle. But I've also through watching your stories and getting those tidbits, I've always wondered why and how and You know, in this episode, like we're going to explore all of that, but first I want to kick it back to you to tell me a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into the rest of it. Awesome. Yeah. So a little bit about me. Um, I'm a personal chef and I live in Tampa, Florida with my fiance, Megan, and we have like a million and a half animals and we really only have three. We have two dogs and a cat, but um, we moved to Tampa from... Cleveland, Ohio. It'll be two years in June. And that, honestly, we could probably talk about in itself, just like uprooting your life as a young adult and then like having to make friends as an adult and then having to make friends as an adult in a pandemic when you don't drink. So if, <laughs> if you're already ready for episode two, we will just keep coming. But um, yeah, so So that's a little bit about me. Um, I have been sober since December 28th, 2019. And I would say we're almost coming up on 500 days, which is like huge. I would say that I've been sober curious though and like questioning my relationship with alcohol since January of 2019. So, I mean, it took me like a a full year to really commit to removing alcohol from my life. And I'm okay with that now (laughs) when it, when I first made the decision to like really give it, give in, you know, and like be a hundred percent all in. Um, it was like kind of hard. Now I'm okay with like the fact that it took me an entire year to really come around. Congrats on almost 500 days. That is a really, really big milestone. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no, it feels, it feels huge. So thank you. Yeah, it is definitely huge. So you talked about how it took you some time, like about a year of thinking about it before you are actually able to pull the trigger. So when you were thinking about it, kind of what triggered that and and how, what made you sober curious and what made you actually take the leap? I think it all started with just wanting to do a dry January. Meg and I wanted to do it together. I think we'd just been like, you know, when you get into a new relationship, you're just like out all the time. You're always going out to eat and like, I don't know, it's just like date night after date night and you're out getting drinks and then you're out dancing and you're going places with friends and it just always like revolves around like 
drink after drink after drink. And I think just kind of settling into that, um, waking up, you know, after New Year's in January, just thinking, I just really hate the way this feels. You know, like my body hurts, I'm really tired, it's expensive, like let's just give it a go, let's do like a dry January. And 30 days turned into 60 days, turned into 90 days, and I was like feeling myself, you know, like have like seltzers it wasn't really a big deal you know I was just like not drinking and finally it was like May we went on like a huge trip with our friends to Provincetown which is like this cute little not really an island but it feels like an island a little bit off of Boston and we rented this beautiful house and there was like 10 of us there like 10 of our best friends and you know, I was like, I'm not going to drink, you know, it's fine. Like stock the fridge with all this seltzer water and then kind of had like a mini meltdown because all of my friends, it was just kind of like day, it felt very like, um, like Sunday fun day, just like for a whole week, you know, like everyone was just like drinking all day and like super vacation vibes and like making new friends and going to like these, these daytime parties and like pool parties. And it was just very like alcohol focused in a way and I was feeling like really left out and I remember like kind of having like a pity party moment or like sort of even just like a little weepy about it that I that I wasn't like quote-unquote drinking or I couldn't drink and then I was like you know what I'm an adult I can do whatever I want and I ended up drinking on that trip and so it like cut my five months of sobriety for the year down and I was like I think I'm gonna drink again and the only thing that I regret about that trip was taking that drink. I, I am so, it kind of like set the rest of my year into like this spiral where we ended up, you know, packing up our whole lives from Cleveland and moving to Ohio, like didn't know anyone, working from home as soon as we moved. It was like really isolating. And I ended up really leaning on alcohol, you know, like it was like a way to like quiet my mind, to like relax, to shut the world out, to sort of like calm nerves, to calm anxiety. And, you know, after a few months of that, finally it was December and I was like, I am just done living in this rat race of, do I want to be drinking? Do I not want to be drinking? You know, it's like hard to go cold turkey on something until you finally like hit that spot mentally where you're like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not, I'm done. And Thank God I haven't looked back since. Wow, that's incredible. I think a lot of us can relate to that moment in Provincetown when you decided to take that drink because so many things that we do as young adults are centered around alcohol. Like, I think quarantine really shined a light on that for me because I only drink socially. Like, when I'm at home, I've never been one to, like, pour myself a glass of wine or, like, drink a bottle of wine. I think that's not really my thing. I don't really buy alcohol for my house. And so... It's been just a lot for me to be like, okay, wow, like I only drink socially. So I can imagine when I go to like a summer house with friends or I do a vacation, I do feel like it's centered around drinking. So I do drink knowing that like that's not something I necessarily need to do. And I think it's cool that you can also admit like that you just regret that. Like that was the one thing of the trip that you're like, don't I didn't need to do that. So when you talked about your move to Tampa from Ohio and how you were kind of using alcohol during that time is just like, a buffer because it's hard it's hard to move so far away and, and not have a social life and not really like know people yet especially with the pandemic so has you have you found like community with people who also don't drink because I can imagine it's hard so many new friendships are about drinking yeah for sure you know I like make this joke a lot like as an adult where do you make friends you can make them at the bar or you can make them at the grocery store and like wow I love that apple you picked out like do you want to hang out with me you know it's like honestly so brutal and I think a lot of to answer your question yes I have definitely found community here I have some really wonderful sober friendships and it is what gets me through most of the time you know because it is it's such a different path of life which it doesn't have to be like it I I'm really happy to be talking about this because I do want to define normal like there's a lot there are a lot of people who are in their 20s early 30s who are taking the path of sobriety 
And it's normal for me, it's normal for, you know, all those people who are doing it, but we still have like this little, like, this little voice inside of our head that's like, you're really weird. Like, you're not any fun now that you don't drink. Like, people think that, you know, you're untrustworthy. Because I used to say stuff like that to people. Like, oh, like one of my best friends, she doesn't drink coffee and she doesn't drink alcohol. And when I first became her friend, I was like, what could we possibly have in common? Like, I don't even trust you, you know? Like, what? And now I'm like, oh my God, Aubrey, like, wow, you were that person, you know? Finding community here has been awesome and it's like really, it's empowering to know that there are other people who struggle with the same things that I have struggled with and have chosen to kind of do something a little difficult in our in our day-to-day lives. When you meet new people and you tell them that you don't drink, um, how what are the reactions? Because you mentioned how you reacted when your friend said she doesn't drink coffee, she doesn't drink alcohol. Because I'm sure there are friendships you want to have outside of your sober community. So while they're like a great anchor because you can find things to do together that are not centered around drinking, which is so important. Honestly, if you do drink, you should find things to do that aren't drinking. But (laughs) when you're meeting new friends and you tell them this, like how do you have this conversation and what are the usual responses? Here's the thing. Like literally no one ever gives a shit that I don't drink. It is like all – it's all in my head. And what I've come to realize is – People who care that you're not drinking have their own shit going on with their relationship with alcohol. It's like, because I thought that about my friend, you know, like I had such a strange, bizarre, like relationship or connection with alcohol that I would, that I would kind of put that on her. Like her choice to abstain made me feel uncomfortable with some of my choices. It's like, if you're up in the middle of the night, after you know drinking too much or you're already feeling hungover and you like give that phone a quick google search like how to know if i'm drinking too much i feel like people who aren't drinking too much don't have those questions so it's usually just people who have normal can go out and just like drink one beer or like not even finish it they just like absolutely don't care that i don't drink so it took me a little while to get the confidence to you know like say that to people and there, you know, there's a time and a place. Like, I don't run around screaming, like, I don't drink. And, um, you know, I share that information when it is, when it's needed. You know, I don't, it's like my sexuality. Like, I don't walk into a room and scream, like, I'm a lesbian. You know, it's like, it's not the coolest thing about me. It is something that's, like, really important about me and, like, the way that I live my life. And, um, but you know, sobriety is kind of the same thing to me. Like I share the information with people who need to know. Um, it's very like a special thing to me. So when I'm talking to somebody new and they're like, oh, let's go get drinks. I'll just flip it and say, well, do you want to grab a coffee? I could drink coffee any time of the day. Do you want to get one? Or do you want to go for a walk? Or, you know, yada, yada, yada. If someone keeps pressing the drink thing, then I'll open up and share, you know, I actually don't really drink. So if there's something else that you want to do, that's great. I love that. And I think there's something really important there about confidence. People often lack the confidence to share those things because they're going to be judged. I, I've had friends too who are trying to drink less just because we're, we're getting older. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. Like you wake up and you're like, I've been hungover for two days. So <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. And it's not college. Like I think And college is probably when I thought, oh, there's a little bit of an unhealthy relationship here because you look forward to being drunk. Like never in my life have have I been like, I didn't really drink in high school. So I come to college and I'm like, yeah, we're going out tonight. And I'm like really drunk. (laughs) And I'm almost embarrassed because I remember things and I'm like, I wouldn't have done that if I wasn't drinking and I wouldn't have said that. And it's kind of weird, but in college you get like a prize. Like, oh my God, you were so fun last night. You were like dancing. And then you I turn know. 30 and you're like, yo, like, no. <laughs> Some of that behavior is has become a no. Um, and so I think it's helpful for people to get the confidence because I think there are a lot of people who want to do it. Um, they just don't want to come off as like straight edge or weird, but it's really not weird. To your point, it's defining a norm. Like, me not drinking shouldn't be a big deal. Um, and it's really not in the grand scheme of things. Okay, so do you ever feel like you miss drinking? Because I'll say that when I think about being when I think about being sober, the hardest part to me is there are times where I enjoy drinking. Like I love going 
to wineries. Like I took a trip to Sonoma a couple of years ago. It was so fun. I love just like having like a beach drink, like being on a vacation and having like one or two drinks by the pool. Um, and I think that's where there's that weird line for me. Like, do I want to be sober or do I just want to like commit to not having reckless drinking habits? Because I, I do like the taste of alcohol and I do like to have a drink here or there, but is there anything you, I guess there are two questions. Is there anything you miss about it? And also in your journey to sobriety, did you just think about a time over? I'm just going to like dial it back and like, did that work? Yeah. So a time, I would say after I took that drink in Provincetown, I thought, okay, I'm just going to dial it back. I'm just going to like drink, you know, kind of like casually or socially. I might have like one or two here and there. And it just like ended up not being the case. Like I just wanted to go full throttle. So for me, like dialing it back is just not really realistic. And there's a lot of people that are able to go out and just like, like I said, have one beer. Like my fiance Meg could go out and order a beer and like not finish it and leave like half on the table and walk away and feel fine about it. And I would be like, what the heck are you doing? Like, we should probably drink at least three beers here. Like, let's go. We're having fun, you know? So there's definitely like some sort of like missing like chemical reaction in my brain where I didn't get the, it's okay to have like half of a beer, you know? Because in my mind, like drinking is like to have so much fun, you know? Like I want to like I want the whole shebang. Like, if we're going out, I want to, like, go out and, like, be dancing and, like, have all this crazy time. And so, no, there's no dialing it back. And then I would say, like, about missing it, there are definitely times where I still romanticize the drink, I guess. Like, sometimes I'll see friends, like, out drinking champagne on a boat or something, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, that looks so fun. But I know for me, it would end up, like, I would probably, like, send a really embarrassing text message or I might, like, fall off the boat or, like, cut myself or get a bruise the next day and, like, not know how it happened. And I just have to remember that, like, when I'm in my feelings about, like, missing, like, that romantic moment, like, that's not what it looked like for me. So, you know, like, that sunny day glass of rosé on the patio and, like, that feeling, um, is so beautiful and it's like so great for so many people, but that's just like not my reality. So it usually brings me back pretty quick. Like, I feel like at this point, I've been through some pretty big stuff sober. So I've gotten engaged sober. Um, There was no champagne to pop and it was a great experience. Like I was completely present for that. I'm gonna get married sober. I'm gonna be at my wedding completely sober and I can't wait. I've spent holidays without alcohol. My dad died and I didn't drink. I have really like done some stuff now, like put some serious things under my belt without alcohol that going back, it's just not really like worth the cost. Like it seems, it feels like very expensive to me, like in a figurative way to to trade like all of this time that I've spent now just like being like really uncomfortably present to just have like some of those champagne moments back. That is said so well. Like it's almost a value, ba- it's like a value um, balance and it doesn't, it's just not worth it because those are the moments I'm flashing through in my head kind of like an Instagram highlight reel. Like I was in Atlanta recently with two of my friends and we just like had an Airbnb and the weather was lovely and it's like, yes a glass of rosé on the patio like exactly that or like we went to a couple breweries and like at no point was I ever really drunk but it's those moments that I know that I would miss of just like having a couple drinks but it's also knowing yourself and you know although if that's not me like I have a lot of friends where we have these conversations where they're like I can't go have one drink like exactly what you're Mm -hmm. saying like it's fun to have a day like let's send it um yeah and realizing that like if that's not my reality I don't really want to drink meaning there's really no middle ground. So it's like, I'm doing it or I'm not. And Mm -hmm. the point about just getting through hard things, because oftentimes we drink even subconsciously. I made this point about work. Like after the office, so many people would be like, let's go to happy hour, let's drink, let's go out. And it's really just like some escapism. Like it's a hard day, I'm tired. I just like want to let loose, but it's also kind of a crutch. Like I don't need to drink to let, like what am I escaping? (laughs) I don't need to drink to let loose. So that's like a really powerful point. I identify with that a lot. You know, it's like, do we want to be living this life that we constantly have to to escape from, you know, and which brought it back to, like, 
why am I actually drinking? Like, what is the drinking a symptom of? You know, and it's like, why can't I sit still? Why can't I sit still with my thoughts? And realizing that there were like places in my life that needed work, that needed for me to like really dig in because if I can't sit alone with myself or like sit alone with my thoughts and like not feel this like overwhelming need to escape, like something's wrong and I don't want to be here. I don't want to live like that anymore. So whether you have that kind of like realization when you're in your 20s or if it comes like when you're in your 50s and your 60s, like it's never too late to kind of just like do a quick little inventory and think, do I need to make a change here? Like, could my life improve in a way by making like a substantial change like this? And for me, absolutely yes. Like completely night and day, the way I feel about myself, my choices, my, my spirituality, like all of that has just improved tenfold. And just being more present. I loved what you said about just being able to be in those moments, going through engagements, going through the death of a parent, going through just like living everyday life in a pandemic because alcohol was a lot like there's so many jokes about ordering cases of wine and like drinking every day in the pandemic and it's like yeah we're going through a really hard time but I don't think that would have made me feel better to be drunk during all of it and I think you gave people some really good thought starters because it's not about judgment it's not about you shouldn't be drinking drinking is bad it's just about thinking about your why like if your why is I just like to have a couple of drinks, it's fine. Or if your why is like a bigger issue. Aubrey, you mentioned that you and your fiance both don't drink. So you're getting married. And what's the plan for the wedding? Will there be an open bar? Is there alcohol there? Yeah, so that's definitely something that we have talked about a lot. And I'm kind of of the mentality that just because I don't drink or we don't drink doesn't mean other people shouldn't drink. I'm feeling thankful that our guest list is really small. It's going to be around 40 people, very close friends and family. And like the people who are invited know that we don't drink and they support that journey. They do their best to like cheer us on. And, but all, most of the people coming do drink and that's fine. We're going to have like limited options. I think we're going to work with like a local brewery and do some local beer options and then maybe some champagne. But other than that, like not really. And I don't think anybody coming would feel like it's like an appropriate place to get wasted like it's not going to be like a shots of fireball kind of event like experience it's going to be very like low-key and casual (laughs) you know it's not going to be like that kind of celebration which is exactly what I want you know and I think weddings can be really tricky because I have heard like my fair share of stories of people being like, oh my God, I went to this wedding last night and this person got so drunk and they embarrassed themselves in X, Y, Z way. And I cannot imagine, you know, bride, brides, grooms, or just like attending, you know, or like family members. And it would truly be my worst nightmare to wake up the next day after attending a wedding and have to send a text message to like, I'm about to be a maid of honor, you know, and I don't want to have to text my best friend and be like, I'm really sorry that I did X, Y, and Z last night, you know, it's just like, again, you know, not worth it, like the price to pay kind of situation. Interestingly enough, I did watch this show recently on, I think it's on HBO, Anna Kendrick was the star, and I believe it's called Love Life. And she was like going through phases of her life, learning how to love herself and like trying to find that love in like different partners and X, Y, and Z or whatever. But um, it was a it was a good show. I would recommend it. But her best friend ended up really struggling with her alcohol, like her relationship with alcohol. She went to rehab and then started working a program in recovery and like ultimately met her fiance, her future husband in the program, and they had a sober wedding. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like seeing representation, you know, it's like important. It's really important to see like portrayals of yourself and your life and like things that are normal to you on TV like that. And I was like, this is so cool. And it ended up being that Anna Kendrick and like a few of this, the sober girls, like other best friends came and they just like shit all over her sober wedding. Like it was full of people in recovery and like they all packed flasks and they were just like bitching about the fact that there was no alcohol and how are they going to get through this like without drinking. And it, it just like, it bummed me out because that is 
it's one of my fears. It's definitely a fear of mine. I don't want my friends to dread coming to my wedding because it's not going to be, you know, but those are my fears. Like that's not, that's nothing about anybody else but me. It's just like my own little voice inside my head, you know, talking, but it bummed me out that like this girl had been to Helen back and like is working a strong program in recovery and her friends are the ones who can't go a few hours without drinking. And like, that's what was glorified. And it's times like that where I feel like we shed so much light on people struggling with addiction and mental health. And then we take like five steps back when, you know, shows choose that angle instead. Um, So it it just bummed me out, you know? It is a bummer. And it also it doesn't normalize the fact that people are sober. It's also very triggering. If you're a person who doesn't drink for a multitude of reasons, right? It's like people don't drink because it doesn't feel good to them. They feel sick or they're allergic to alcohol or they've had issues with alcohol being like to their detriment. Like there's such a multitude of reasons. So to come to your friend's sober wedding with flasks and other recovering people are there, it's just kind of like, ew, like why would you do that to them? And We've gone through so many, I mean, I keep thinking about what you said about the hard things you've gone through while being sober and even like hard and great, like from like fun things like getting engaged into like moving and like all these things. But it's like, I thought about like graduation, right? Like high school graduation, big deal in theory. You're ending, <laughs> you're ending like your K through 12 yeah. education, but like I didn't drink like at high school graduation. Right. Like, I didn't drink the day of, the morning of, I didn't drink after, I had a party with my family and like went to other people's crowd parties and it was still so fun. Like that summer was so Mm -hmm. fun to me. And although like I wasn't even of drinking age, I just think about moments where it wasn't less fun because we were drunk, like we weren't drunk. And so I, I keep going back to that of like, you had these really like great moments and you had these really hard moments and like there was no need for alcohol. You just like felt how you felt. And that, I mean, I think- Honestly, that's something I might just like take away, (laughs) like something I'm taking away from my own episode is like, you know, thinking about those moments and like, what did alcohol really add to it? Because then I think about college graduation and like we woke up drinking. Um, I wasn't drunk at college graduation, but it's like, let's have a mimosa. But it's like, what does that do? And that's what I've been thinking a lot, like just having drinks to have drinks. Like there are times where I actually feel nothing, but I've had like three margaritas and I'm like, I just spent like $40 on spicy margaritas. <laughs> I'm just like sitting here. So it's even the financial implication. I was just going to say that. So, you know, almost 500 days sober, like I have had the opportunity to completely pay off all of my credit card debt. And it was like some pretty significant debt. And I couldn't have done that if, you know, I hadn't stopped drinking. It you just like, it just racks it up, you know, just that bar tab. And by the time you've had, you know, a few drinks, you're like buying drinks for all your friends and et cetera, et cetera. Like there's like a real opportunity to hunker down and like get some, you know, financial goals in mind. And I'm definitely not mad about it. Like truly not mad about that little piece of of gift. No, I think that's awesome. Um, You're also in your personal chef, like you're, you are a personal chef and also like you have all these brand partnerships, like you have a whole online presence. And how does that like working kind of in the food industry play into this sobriety? Because food and drink go hand in hand. So it's like, do alcohol brands ever approach you? Do you mind cooking with alcohol? Like, What's your relationship with alcohol and like your job? With my clients, sometimes I'll cook with alcohol, like I might use like a red wine with like a short rib recipe, but it's not really that often. But that was kind of like a crutch that I used to lean on. I was like, oh my gosh, I will never stop drinking because I cook, like I'm a chef. And knowing alcohol that pairs with food, I felt like was just such an easy sort of like crutch to lean on. Like no one will trust me if I don't know how to pair X, Y, and Z. Or like even like taking it a step further and being like, oh, well, this is like a really expensive bottle of wine. So of course I'm going to drink it. And um, And that's like, that was kind of, you know, what justified it in my mind, like, yeah, I'm going to drink that entire bottle of like $50 red, whatever, um, because it's expensive, you know? And I think that's silly now looking back on it, but it is what it is. I personally do not cook with alcohol at home. Um, and if I find out something has alcohol in it, I just won't order it out at a restaurant. 
like I was really bummed there's this there's this great restaurant that we love they have bread pudding and like I would never order bread pudding I mean it's just like not a dessert that I'm like wow yes they have bread pudding you know so whatever I went with a friend once and I ordered it and it was life-changing it was like covered in this salty caramel sauce and like this vanilla bean gelato it is so good it's like made with brioche bread whatever I dream about it so we'd gone like several times every time we ordered the bread pudding and the last time I went the waitress is like oh I love that bread pudding with that salted bourbon caramel sauce and I was literally like no <laughs> I was so bummed because at that point it's like once I know really like what's the point of me making that choice like whether it's going to be in my food, if it cooks out or not. But like, it's just a mental thing for me to know that I'm like actively choosing to consume that, whether or not there is any percentage of alcohol in it. Um, I don't know what it could lead to. And it's just not worth the risk for me. That makes sense. I didn't even think about that. The alcohol in the actual caramel sauce and how that's like, okay, no, there's bourbon in that. It's ruined your whole dessert. Dang it. I know. I was like, well, it's been fun. Bread pudding. It's been really See you fun. never. <laughs> See you never. Has your sobriety journey made any of your friends talk to you about being sober curious and have any of them joined you? In my personal life, like outside of Instagram, I will say, um, with like my close circle, I think it's definitely opened the door for conversations about relationships with alcohol, kind of like assessing where we all are, what is healthy, what's working for us, what's not working for us. And I feel like those are conversations that we never used to have. Like when I first made this decision to go for it, you know, I, I've seen a therapist my whole life. I just really enjoy, you know, paying somebody to listen to me talk, <laughs> but <laughs> I've always just had like a really good therapist in my life. And um, when I went through this, you know, decision, it was really hard for me to kind of navigate through. And I was lucky enough to have someone who helped me. And I said to her one day, like, why me? Like, why do I have to go first? Why do I have to do this? And she was like, you get to be first, you get to do this. And that was like a really pivotal moment for me, because it's so true. And now as I share casually with like, my close circle of friends or on Instagram, you know, it sparks conversation with people who have felt alone and in the dark. And they're like, Oh, my God, she's going through this too. I'm not alone. And it brings me, it brings me back to like, my sobriety is pretty sacred. Like, not everyone needs to know, you know, the whole ins and outs, but to share enough to say, like, this is something that I've struggled with. And this is a decision that I've made. It helps people because I know, I know what I look like. Like, I look like I have all of my ducks in a row. I look like I have my shit together. And like, I would never look at somebody like me and think that they struggle behind closed doors. And it's important for me when I'm feeling like exposed and vulnerable and um, even just like agreeing to this podcast, because it's not something that I really like talk about a lot outside of my inner circle. It's important because I want other people who are, who are struggling and feeling alone to know that they're not. And if it's, if it's weighing heavy on their heart or they feel like they have no one to talk to, like to know that I am here and I, we'll talk to anybody about it. You know, if you're struggling and you come to me and say, how'd you do it? Like, are, you know, are you happier? I'm having a hard time. Like what an honor and a gift to be in that position that I get to, you know, I don't have to, I get to. And um, while none of like my close friends have taken like the sobriety journey, um, I am grateful to have like more open and honest conversations with them. Like, I feel like I know my friends better now than I have ever known them before. And that's like, a, that's a true gift. That's such a gift. And that vulnerability is so amazing. I love your therapist language of you get to do this because there are so many people who are struggling and also people who have made a conscious choice and maybe have never had a sip of alcohol in life, but they feel alone. Your first comment about how you were once that friend being like, oh, like I can't trust you. I feel like that too. I mean, this conversation has made me reflect I have two close friends who don't drink, and um, one of which I met on a vacation. We weren't close friends at a time. What a crazy way to meet someone. But we were going on a giant group vacation, and my friend Kevin is like the master of curating groups, and he invited a few of his friends from college who like I didn't personally know. And so 
um, one of his friends like doesn't drink at all. And I remember the first time I met him, we were in Barcelona and we were sitting at a cafe and what were we doing? We were drinking. And I remember him being like, yeah, I don't drink. And I'm like, we're on a two week vacation. Like we're going to Barcelona. We're going to Morocco. Like, what do you mean you don't drink? And so, and like you, like you would think it's not a big deal, but like we're on vacation. And so I kind of remember making him feel, and I don't know, like, I'm sure that he's used to it, but like, cause he went through college without drinking and like his young adult life in DC and then now in New York, but I didn't make it easy for him. Like I was kind of like, that's weird. Like in my, in my head, I'm like, why would he not drink? And maybe he orders like a mocktail and he's still fun. He's so fun. Like I spend so much time with him and his wife and they both don't drink. And I think they're a lot of fun and they have amazing conversations. We have such fun dinners and like, I've never had a time with them where I'm like, oh, they're lame like never once in my life. And so that was very eye-opening to me. And honestly, it makes me be like a better friend to my friends who don't drink because there's this whole thought process of like, oh, wow, this, it's kind of like when a friend goes gluten-free. I have a lot of friends who are gluten-free. So like, let's use that analogy. <laughs> of course, you live in New York. Right. So like, of course. <laughs> Everyone's gluten-free. Only one of them is actually celiac, but like, we'll just leave it there. Um, so... I often like, oh man, where are we going to eat? And I have put so much thought into like menus. Like I'm like, well, they can't eat that and there's nothing for them there. And I have to bring that same energy to my friends who don't drink. Like so many moments become about that. Like I'm trying to bring a lens of like diverse activities and things that we can do that aren't like, let's get drunk. Like what else can we do together? I appreciate that. Luckily in Florida, you can go to the beach. <laughs> so I spent a lot of days at the beach with my friends. So like, I'm not a very like sporty person, but we'll like, you know, throw a football around. We'll just like bring our favorite sparkling waters and like talk shit about the other person's choice and like how that flavor is really gross. And like, how could they possibly love polar over spindrift? Um, just like a lot of active things. Or we'll do like movies or fire nights, like pretty much we'll do anything that just like doesn't involve an alcoholic beverage. And I, when I first stopped drinking, I thought like, oh my gosh, I can't, the anxiety to like go out to dinner and like not order a glass of wine with my really nice meal was like mind blowing to me. And now I don't even think about it. I just order two sparkling waters with lime as soon as we sit down. And that's good for me. And I really enjoy it. Um, and I like what you said though, that it kind of like you look through a different lens now and like trying to make all of your friends feel, you know, like safe and included. And that's nice to hear. And I know that, you know, there are people in my life who are doing the same thing because it's, it's hard work for you too. You know, you don't want to make your friends feel not included or like not safe with you. And like, that's extra effort on your part. So I get stuck a lot in like, just thinking about myself, you know, and like how my choices like impact really me, but it's, so much bigger than me too it's about the people in my life who are going to extra steps to think okay we're gonna hang out today like what are some fun things that we can do that don't just like revolve around al alcohol you know and also like I sit in a lot of comfortable silence with my friends it doesn't always have to be like go 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 like stimulation simulation simulation like we can just like sit and be and like relax and to me that's like just truly so underrated in a relationship like comfortable silence is everything that's like true intimacy like if if you can sit at my house and you're there and I'm not talking to you like we're real friends that's like how you know you're my actual friend because it's like just sitting in that comfortable silence and not doing anything together and also just like how many awesome conversations we have that aren't at a loud bar screaming because you know again I romanticize like the drunken recaps like in college or in my early 20s we would recap like all the crazy stuff we did. We were dancing. These boys bought us drinks, blah, blah, blah. And then now I'm like, oh my God, I had such a good conversation with my friend last night. Like literally that's me in quarantine. Like having like really, really beautiful conversations with friends about like their hopes and dreams and like just real stuff, like being vulnerable. And that wouldn't happen if we were wasted. So I'm just happy. That's, yeah, it's true. I think like I've definitely lost some friends. I wouldn't say like lost friends, but I've lost like, touch with people that I used to just party with you know because you do have some friends and that's all you have in common and like that's okay like that's totally okay um but then there are people who are like really down to dig into the hard stuff you know because I think when I I thought when I stopped drinking that like I would never have problems again like it would just like completely erase it but like 
life is still life. Like you are still going to get hit hard with like really shitty circumstances sometimes. And I feel more equipped now to succeed, not only in just like not drinking, but that I have built community and like support and connection with people that I can call and say, this really sucks. Like I absolutely don't know what I'm going to do. And then to have somebody on the other line and be like, let's dig through it. Let's talk about it. And not just like, oh, well, like, should we drink tequila right now? Like, you know, because then my problem would still be there the next day. And like, I would feel terrible. Right. Like not everything should be a like drink about it. And I also think sharing and I'm so thankful you came out of the podcast to talk about it. I think sharing just is so powerful because I've had friends over quarantine talk about like the impact of alcohol. One of my best friends and former roommates stopped drinking because he was like, I was alone during the pandemic and I was kind of sad and I was just drinking a ton. And it was like, I'm alone in my apartment, just like getting very drunk and that, and he shared, he was sharing on Facebook. He's sharing on Instagram. Like if anyone's going through it, like this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm not drinking anymore. And he hasn't committed to being like fully sober, but he's just like, let me step back and evaluate like what my relationship is with alcohol because it's that hard moment of admitting like I've done some weird, like things are getting weird because it's easy to hide it, right? It's easy to hide behind the culture. What's so normal? Yeah, it's so normalized to be very drunk. (laughs) So like, it's, you know, like, oh no, you're just drinking because we're through a pandemic. It's fine. It's fine. So I, I thought that was really beautiful that he shared and it's really awesome that you're sharing because even subtly, like 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 you said, you're not telling everything about it to anyone who will listen. It's very, very subtle. But even then I'm like, okay, this is cool. Cause you have, I mean, you have a platform, like you are affecting people. Well, thanks. Yeah, I want to be like, like that little like nightlight that your mom used to live in, leave in like the bathroom when you were a little kid. So you could like find your way, but it like wouldn't obstruct your nighttime sleep, you know? So like if somebody needs that little light and like they remember in the back of their mind that I'm a safe space, like then I've done my job, but it doesn't need to be like some like strobe light in your face, you know, like I'm not coming for you like that. What I I did want to just lightly touch on like the pandemic and drinking a lot of my friends take anti-anxiety medication or antidepressants like mental health especially this year has been like such such a topic that people are starting to open up and talk about which i love so much and what i don't think it's shared enough is like alcohol is a depressant so when you are taking anti-anxiety and anti-depression medication and then you're drinking on top of it you're canceling your meds so all of that work that you're putting into like feeling like optimum levels and then you add, you know, a liquid depressant, it's, it's just canceling it out. And that really sucks. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's, that's probably just like not the point. And I want people to feel optimum and like the best. And it's like kind of frustrating when during the pandemic, it was just like, so push, like you can have alcohol delivered to your home now and like bring the bar to you. And like, I feel like in such an isolating experience, like the pandemic, is that what we really want to be pushing on people is to like, stay at home and drink alone and be struggling with the pandemic and like all these hard things. Like, I hope, I hope not, you know, like I want there to be other ways to cope. Like there have to be other ways for us to cope moving forward. I agree. Like learn a new hobby, like learn to cook or like call a friend. Like, I mean, during the pandemic, I had so many rogue facetimes from friends just like hi i know you're home because you don't go anywhere and we would just talk about like solve the world's problems like just talk about all kinds of things friends shared things with me during the pandemic that probably would have taken us years of conversations to um to get to and it had nothing to do with alcohol and when i told friends i didn't really drink during the pandemic they weren't doing it to be judgy but they're like what i've been drinking more how have you have you not been drinking and i'm like it just makes me more sad to be kind of drunk at my house. Like, I didn't even drink on New Year's. I'm like, we are just sitting here. Like, I don't know what else to do. What you asked about, like, brands reaching out. Like, I have had partnership opportunities come up with, like, alcohol brands, like, wine subscriptions. Even, like, Bud Light reached out to me. And I just respond and say, like, I'm not the right fit. Um, but, like, thank them so much for reaching out. And, I mean, it's, like... It's so cool. It's like kind of an honor, you know, like, wow, like this could be, you know, something really fun. But it makes me laugh when they're like, show us like your ultimate summer day with Bud Light and like how much fun you're having. And I'm like, you do not want to see 
my ultimate fun day after, you know, like Bud Light. Trust me, you're going to want to find somebody else. And like, it just wouldn't be authentic to your brand. Like it's, it's cool. That's like like a different conversation. Like as some, I'm like literally thinking about that out loud and I'm like, when people reach out to influencers, which like, I don't even know. I don't even know if people like that word anymore, but we're going to go with it. It never bothers me. It doesn't bother me at all. Like it used to a long time ago and I was like, I have a full-time job and I'm blah, blah, blah. But like I've created this platform and like, if it is, like quote unquote influencer like I'm really proud of the things that I put out there and like the person that I am and like the person that I show up as on in that space I guess so it is not offensive to me you should be proud um I'm going to put your IG in the description so everyone can check it out but I think what's really cool about your platform is it does feel really open like I feel like you're actually learning things about you as a person because I think some influencers feel like they're very far away and you know, I'm aware that you don't share everything about your life, but like the little anecdotes make you seem like an actual person. Like I feel like the person I'm talking cool. to now is not a different person than the, than what I see online. So I think that's really impressive. That's good. You should you should be proud. Um, but I wanted to say that I think brands should research the influencers they reach out to. Yeah, it's so funny sometimes the partnerships um, that brands will bring up and it's like that person doesn't drink or like that person would never use Mm -hmm. this product or like it just doesn't make any logical sense so yeah it's yeah if they're like I love your page so much like they'll even like name my animals they'll be like I love I you know because we had the Super Bowl here in Tampa and there was like a vodka company that reached out and they're like oh my gosh we love your feed we we would love to meet queso like bring her to our party and like um here are like all these things for like free drinks and I was like, not that I feel like I'm that important that people should like know everything about me, you know, but I do kind of think that like, if you're in like marketing and like brand partnerships, maybe not a bad idea to like dig in a little deeper to figure out if this is a good fit for, for you as a company too. Right. You're like, if you're a big fan, you would know that I never post alcohol and I really just kind of, we were talking about coffee and spindrift. So I don't, (laughs) I don't have any liquor for you. Um, We have to get into like the seltzer conversation because once upon a time I was watching your story and you were talking about all the different seltzers. I, I have a hot take that I know you don't agree with, but I want to talk about it. You don't like Waterloo and that is my sparkling water of choice. Like, like. (laughs) and I didn't even do I didn't even I'm not even bringing this up like I didn't know I was gonna bring this up but it was sitting in front of me and I was like I remember seeing a story where I think someone asked you to rank like rank the sparkling waters or say your favorite we know the fave is spindrift but when Waterloo didn't make the cut like my heart I was like (laughs) that's like my one (laughs) you're like no um I will just have to say, I'm not like an ex, I don't want anything extra, extra fizzy. And Waterloo just goes too hard for me. She hurts my throat. I'm, I have a delicate, <laughs> delicate throat back there. So she's crisp. It hurts. It's like drinking a, an ice cold, like full sugar Pepsi. That burn, you know, that's how I feel. Like with LaCroix, Waterloo, Bubbly, um, those just, I just don't do it. I think we like the fizz. Megan, she loved, she could drink like six in a row. And I'm like, how are you not floating all the way up to the clouds right, right now? And like, how do you not have gas? Because for me, like that would be instant, like stomach, like rumbling. You would hear it out loud. It, it's just a no for me. Oh my God. I, I'm glad I know that it's like not a flavor thing. Cause my mom and I were actually saying like, we like Waterloo because it stays fizzy. I mean, we have a full analysis in this house. Like the bubbly oh, yeah. has like a good flavor, but it doesn't stay fizzy and that's annoying. The Waterloo, okay. I remember the first time I had a Waterloo. That's how I know I like it. Like I remember the first time I had one. Like <laughs> Watermelon, Facebook, Menlo Park Campus, like Building 61. Like, <laughs> like a full, full, I remember opening it and I was like, oh no, this is it. And so we like that it's fizzy. But I, I just, I had to, I had to ask because I was like, wait a minute. Like, this is, that I'm is. I'm so sorry. Okay, so yeah. what's the best Spindrift flavor? Because I'm not in Spindrift land yet. I've had lemon. That's it. Yeah, I, so Spindrift is like less fizzy. You know, it's got like more of a fruity taste. I'm super partial to the grapefruit. And then I really love the lime. I love the pineapple. 
I love the half and half, which is like an Arnold Palmer, which is really fun. But then they just came out with these new like lemonades and I really love those too. So if there's a spindrift available, like I will take it. And should we segue into the spindrift commercial right now? Is this sponsorship of the <laughs> This podcast? is actually sponsored by Spindrift. Um. <laughs> I would literally start a podcast just to be sponsored by Spindrift. Like that would be um, my ultimate wish. What would you call it? The fizz? Oh, I like that. Writing it down. <laughs> the, the fizz. fizz. With the Aubrey. daily fizz. The daily, the daily fizz, fizz with Aubrey. Yes, I love that. Um, I have one more question for you. We just we just talked about all the seltzer. I mean, Spindrift being your fave. What is your favorite mocktail? And do you believe in mocktail culture? Like, would you rather just get a seltzer when you're out, or do you like getting mocktails? Yeah, I think there's a time and a place. Like sometimes I appreciate the extra energy that um, goes into making a mocktail list. One of my friends here in Tampa is a bartender, and she also doesn't drink, and um, which is like interesting to talk to her about. You know that whole world but um her restaurant is curating like a very expansive mocktail list and i i think i have to respect the time and energy that they put into it um i feel like mocktails really tend to lean heavily on sugar and i'm just not even when i was drinking i didn't want something like super sweet so um if it if it's dry enough i'm into it i like to make some at home like megan i love to make um, like mocktail margaritas and we'll do agave, fresh lime juice and like top with Topo Chico, like maybe some mint. And that's really fun too. Um, but nine times out of 10, I'll just either ask for a Diet Coke or go straight up water, sparkling water with lime. Love that. Yeah. Mocktails often do feel, it reminds me of when I was a kid and I would go to a restaurant and I'm like, oh, like I want a virgin daiquiri. And like, this is literally like strawberry syrup and like ice and no. Right. <laughs> And it's, like, still, like, 12 bucks. Like, I remember, like, at the very beginning when I stopped drinking and I would, like, go into a bar with my friends and ask for, like, just, like, spark, like, soda water from the gun, like, the fountain gun. And they would still charge me, like, six bucks. I'd be like, what? Are you kidding? I'll just have tap water then. <laughs> yeah, don't Help. worry about it. Just you keep the bubbles. All right? I'll just, yeah. I'll bring a soda stream oh. to the bars. That's what I'll do. Seriously, <laughs> a pocket soda stream. We have we have one. Meg loves it. She will like get crazy in the kitchen, like curating. But I think when we first stopped drinking, we were very like mocktail heavy. Like every day we would have like something with like frozen fruit and like lime around like five o'clock. But then it just like stopped being like super, you know, important to like do that. You know, like you kind of like settle into the new routine. And yeah, I could take it or leave it. Amazing. Well, I love this. I am so happy you came here to share and how open you were with me and I appreciate it. And just like major, major thank you. It was awesome having you. Thank you for letting me share like parts of my story. I really had a great time and I would do it again. Love it. 10 out of 10 would recommend. 10 out of 10. Thank you for listening to another episode of Define Normal. If you liked the episode or have any feedback for me, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Define Normal. See you next week.